Good morning, good evening, and good night, my terrible listeners. You're tuned in to Terrible Sex with Nassim. I'm producer Dan, and each week I have the honor of bringing you registered nurse, aspiring sex educator, polyamory enthusiast, and true woman of the people, Nassim. She tells us stories, answers our questions, and helps us feel more comfortable around our world's infinite variety of sexuality. Send your questions, your comments, and especially voice memos to Nassim. This show's best when you get involved. All Nassim's contact info is on her website at terriblesexwithnassim.com. How's it going, Nassim? It's going good, Dan. Great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. What's going so good? Well, you know, I am coming into myself, and what I mean is, I have a lot of insecurities in my life, um, lots of self-doubt. I think things that people can relate to. Sure. Um, but the, over the course of the past like week or two, I'm just letting a lot of shit go. And I'm becoming way more comfortable. My communication is better. Um, I don't know. I'm just feeling, I'm feeling top-notch. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, my my partner here recently um, here Chicago in Chicago recently had a uh, a sexual adventure <laughs> with someone recently who was not me. And at first, I was like, I, I wasn't sure how I was going to respond to it, but because I am Polly, of course, but like. That's like a, to me, that's kind of like a signal of the de-escalation of our relationship. And I've been like dreading that for a while. Okay. But I'm actually like doing good. I feel very comfortable. I'm really like excited for him. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's like a change in our relationship and like, we're not breaking up or anything, but it's, I don't know. Things feel really good. Very comfortable. I'm really, I'm pleased with how things are. Are going well good i'm glad to hear that yeah feelings yeah. are hard relationships yeah. are hard they are hard i was actually trying to get us to have a threesome last night but that didn't work out <laughs> well my phone never rang <laughs> uh i won't keep that in mind but <laughs> please don't um, <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah so that was kind of exciting um but it's funny, I'm talking about how I'm feeling, like, less insecure. That's that's not entirely true, though, because I was having uh, a moment earlier today when, so, my partner and I, we took a nap together, and then that turned into sex. And something I'm discovering is, uh, like, I don't really orgasm through like vaginal sex like it doesn't I don't want to say it like doesn't do anything for me but it's like not the thing that's going to get me off sure and I really need (laughs) I really need like fingers like I'm a like fingering does it for me and that's yeah and I for the longest jar with the hands jar with the hands um and I 
have been feeling like so self-conscious about that lately. Really? Yeah. Like today I, you know, I did eventually have an orgasm, but congrats. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I did not do the work. Um, and I, but I felt like a little self-conscious about it. Like I apologized. I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry that you had to use your hands and like not your dick. And he was like, what are you talking about? Um, I think that's, and that, that is a, go ahead. Sorry. I think that's, and I don't know, you know, I have this, we have this podcast and part of it is talking. The reason why I'm doing this is so people can get more comfortable with their sexuality and the weird things that happen. And I realized, wow, there's a lot of stuff that I'm still not comfortable with. Well, and it's nice sh- to see some growth on the podcast. Yeah. Learn about yourself. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to share that just because. You know, if you're feeling like the way that you experience pleasure doesn't seem typical, that's not necessarily the case. And even if it isn't, like, so what? Who cares? Get off how you get off. Yeah. Within, you know, safe and consensual guidelines. But yeah, so I'm just sort of having a moment of of clarity and that's that's kind of what's going on today well good yeah sounds like you're having a real nice day feeling some feelings working some things out having orgasms and it's only <laughs> two o'clock who knows what's gonna happen this afternoon anything could happen this afternoon well i have been framing walls in my basement and having a great time getting real sweaty making a mess <laughs> Sounds like we have similar days. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's how I get off. So you do your way, I'll do my way, and we'll all have a nice time. Sounds good. Love to hear it, Dan. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so today what I wanted to talk about before kind of delving into more recent activities (laughs) is uh a little bit about the history of my experience with polyamory Uh and um the first time that I had sex with someone who wasn't my husband. Ooh. When I, you know, while still being married to him. So. I think that's a great topic. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a little bit more like cerebral, I think, but I think it's something that maybe people can learn from or be interested in. Totally. Um, and it's not an experience s- a lot of people have had. No, and if you're thinking about um, opening yourself up and your relationship up in that way, I think there are some lessons that can be learned from my experience um, and kind of you know things you might may or may not expect. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, let's dive in. Okay, so first off polyamory was never really a consideration of mine in the past. Okay. Um, Yeah, I have always considered myself a monogamous person. My husband and I have been monogamous for the majority of our relationship. Um, But prior to getting married, he actually said to me once, you know, Nassim, if my dick stops working, you should fuck other guys because you deserve that. And I thought he was out of his mind. Well, that's like, sweet. Yeah, so he's a romantic. Um, and so 
I, you know, never really thought about it again and just put it, put it aside. And then something happened mm, last, uh, 2021, right beginning of 2021. No, earlier than that. It was middle of 2020. And I started getting kind of interested in kink and BDSM. Uh-huh. And I was discovering this submissive side to myself and reading up on things that I thought may not be interesting to me. Um, and I had discussed those things with Jar. And there were certain levels of play that he was comfortable with, but a vast majority of it he was not. Um, I, you know, we talked about impact play in the last episode. Mm -hmm. He's not really keen on doing that sort of thing. Uh, and there are just certain, certain boundaries that he did not want to cross. And of course, I wasn't going to make him cross anything. And if he would have done something just to make me happy, that wouldn't have satisfied me because I wanted it to come from a place of um, sincerity and I wanted it to be genuine and I wanted it to be something that he was going to enjoy as well. You and wanted him to genuinely want to smack you around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and he's not interested in that, which is fine. You know, that doesn't have to be part of our relationship. So we had many conversations about this and at one point, I remembered the thing that he told me <laughs> prior to us getting married. Uh, not to say that his dick was broken. That was not the issue. But there was something missing in my sexual experience. Sure. And there was something that I needed that I was not getting sexually. And I had a very open and honest conversation with him about it. Is that and tough? To How long did you think about that? Like... Was it just you thought about it in the morning and then that afternoon you're like, hey, Char, something's missing? Or were you like struggling about having this conversation for a while? Because that's kind of a pretty big line in the sand in a new marriage, right? It is a line in the sand. I, I mean, I don't know if you would consider it a new marriage. We had been married for five years at that point, um, together for seven or eight. And I, I don't know if there was actually like a, I wasn't like keeping time. These, the thing with my relationship with my husband is we have always been very strong communicators where we've always been the type of people to express things that we're thinking, things that we're feeling, wants, needs, that sort of thing. So it's probably been something that had been coming up periodically. Uh -huh. So I couldn't tell you, Oh, I, you know, I thought about it. Um, one day and then the next day I talked to him or I hemmed and hawed over it for months. It just sort of naturally happened, this conversation. At least that's how I remember it. Right. So we have this conversation and we together decide that it would be appropriate for me to seek out a play partner, to seek out someone who I could have the this kind of exchange with and so that's what i started doing and that's all it was supposed to be it was just supposed to satisfy this kink craving that i had and that i needed and so i went online 
and I started meeting, I started going on apps. Like I didn't use Tinder back then. Um, I was on FetLife, which I still dabble in periodically. Uh-huh. And that's where I actually got a lot of good and bad information. But I, I started becoming part of a community on FetLife, reading about different types of kinks and fetishes, um, and kind of learning and discovering what it was that I was interested in and things that I was not interested in. And learning about consent and learning about different types of boundaries and what makes a good dom, what doesn't, and and things of that nature. Sort of just to educate myself because this can be a very dangerous thing to go in blind. Absolutely. So I really wanted to have some sort of toolkit before I met anybody. Now, did I do the best job at vetting or the best job at educating myself? No, I was on FetLife. I, it wasn't like I was reading literature or <laughs> talking to people who um, were local or going to munches or anything like that. I was just on FetLife. Um, there's credible people there, but there's also not credible people. But that was just my first foray into kink. Yeah, dipping your toes in the water. Sure, exactly. So then I got on an app called Field, which is like Tinder, but it's sort of directed more towards people of a certain predilection. So there's a lot of polyamory, polyamorous people there. There's a lot of um, kink folks there. It's more of a what I guess the mainstream would consider a deviant dating site which I don't like that term. Yeah, I don't like that term because... That sounds like a term my mom's mom would have used. Right, right. (laughs) Who turns out as my grandmother and was an absolutely wonderful and lovely woman. Of course. I'm not downplaying my grandma. No, but this is not probably the sort of thing that she... Or the sort of place that she would probably want her grandson perusing. And she would be appalled by this podcast. (laughs) We will not air it to her. Eh, she's, I guess, I mean, well, she died long ago. Oh, so. okay. Well, it's okay. My dad would not approve either, and he died two, a couple years ago, so. Well, maybe they're listening <laughs> together. Wouldn't that maybe. be a treat? <laughs> Wouldn't it, though? In any case. So I go on field, and I start talking to people, and I meet this guy who I. Like, okay, yes, he seems like he knows a little bit about what he's doing. Um, We start talking. We have a great chemistry online. We're talking for about two weeks, and then we decide that we're going to meet. Now, I had been talking to Jar during this getting-to-know-you period, Mm -hmm. letting him know, hey, there's this person I've been talking to. And every step of the way, I was communicating with Jar because it was so important to me that he was 100% on board because I was so terrified of doing something outside the bounds of our agreed situation. Yeah, how's he dealing with it this whole time? Like, you're talking to other dudes. How's he acting when you're saying, hey, I met this guy on the internet? It's so funny because I was... I was convinced that I was hurting him in some way. Mm -hmm. 
But the way he responded to me, every time I talk to him about dating and I check in with him, he is so cool as a cucumber and he is so fine with it. And he, he's so supportive and affirming. And he says things to me that always just surprise me because I'm expecting him to have some sort of negative reaction and he never does. He's really remarkable. I have to tell you. <laughs> Nice. So, and I've told you some stories about him, and it just always blows me away. So we agree to meet. I go to meet this guy, and I am fucking terrified. Terrified for a number of reasons. I haven't dated in like, you know, seven, eight years. I don't know how online dating really works anymore. Um, I am meeting a strange man in a town that I'm not familiar with. That was a whole different yes. town. Yeah, I uh, I met him. It was like a forty five minute drive from my house, and it was at a bar I didn't know. And yeah, we were meeting in a public place, but you still you you never know, right? So I'm like, I send Jr. all the details of um, where the location of the bar is, what time. Um, I'm sending this same information to my best friend and. Just so, like, this is where I'll be. <laughs> right. This is what's going on. Um, this is his name. <laughs> so we we meet up. We have some drinks. And initially, I'm like, no. Not really interested. But that's also how I start, like, every day is, no, not interested. <laughs> right. But again, I have my 30-minute rule <laughs> where 30 minutes to an hour in is kind of when I make my decision. and. I found myself, I don't want to say forgetting that I was married, but I found myself not so worried about all of the concerns I had with having a husband. Mm -hmm. And I still had my wedding ring on. It was one of those things where I'm like, should I take my ring off? Like, what do I, this is so new and awkward and weird like do i take my ring off when i go to this date i'm like no i'm still fucking married jar is like not out of the picture just because i'm going on this date like this is part of who i am i'm keeping my goddamn ring on so um so i went on this date we had a good time and then at one point i start flirting really hardcore i feel and he got the impression that okay he's gonna invite me over to his house so he's like, do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. We go to the parking lot. He does some real slick move um, where he was smoking a cigarette. And I used to smoke cigarettes at that time. And I asked for a hit off of it. And <laughs> before he's like, puts the cigarette close to my mouth. And then he like pulls it away. And then like he kissed me. <laughs> it was very, it was very smooth. <laughs> it was dorky. But it was slick. So it worked for me. It worked for it worked for, it worked for me. Go to his house. We hang out on the couch. He pours me a glass of some very cheap bourbon, but I was I needed it. And talking turns into making out. And somehow I find myself I was so afraid, but somehow I am the one who ends up making the first move in these situations. <laughs> We start making out, um, and he's like, let's, let's move it to the bedroom. Or no, I asked him, oh, no, 
No, no, no. I act like, you got a bed? <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. Where I was like, where's your bedroom? <laughs> so we go to the bedroom, and he starts undressing me. And I still remember, even though I was so... there's So there's all these emotions, right? I'm with a man who's not my husband. I haven't been with another man in over seven, eight years. And when you're with someone for that long, consistently, you be- you become familiar with their body. You become able to anticipate what their moves are going to be. Uh-huh. And it's very familiar. I was not familiar with this guy and didn't know what he was going to do next. Didn't know how he was going to touch. And I became so overwhelmed by this, just, just the adrenaline, the fear, the excitement, the um, apprehension, trying to push back a little bit of the shame that, you know, our culture has ingrained onto us about being non-monogamous. Like, am I being a cheater right now? That ran through my head. Like, no, this is agreed upon. This is okay. Jar said this is okay. And, And I just remember my body felt like it was on fire. I was like shaking and I everything felt so sensitive and it was it was exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt a lot of guilt about that later because I thought does that like does that discount the sex that I've had with my husband over the past eight years, because that was so exciting to me. I'm like, and then it took me a while to process it. I'm like, no, that's not it. It's because it was so novel. It was this new, unique thing. That's what made me feel like it was the best sex ever. It probably wasn't. It just, in that moment, everything felt so heightened. Right. Right. What's interesting, though, is... So there was some kink play involved and things that we had negotiated prior to this date. But really, there was so little of that that actually happened that night. It was mostly just like just sex. Like there was a little bit of like impact play. He did, you know, as you like to say, smacked me around a little bit. One thing that I was not expecting at all. Because we didn't talk about it. was he smacked me super hard, like, on the pussy. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) But had no idea that people did that at that time. He also, like, spit started before, like going down on me? Have you ever heard of this before? Like spit at you in your in your pelvic like, region? Yeah. I I've 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 seen I, that happen in some adult shows. <laughs> never. Never in my life I was like, what is happening? Like there were so many things that were so new and I had never done before or had never been done to me before. And it was like this whole world opened up. And it was a great night. It was great. <laughs> And I went home shaking. And I remember I was driving my car and I was just shaking because 
holy shit, I did this thing. Yeah. I, I, I did it. Like I did the thing and I called my best friend up and I told her everything that happened and she's polyamorous. And so she's also like, <laughs> sometimes I think that she like listens to my stories and like looks at me and just like wants to pat me on the head. Like, Oh, that's cute. Kind of thing. I know what that feels <laughs> because like. Because <laughs> she's experienced and I'm less so than she is in this kind of world in this lifestyle. So I tell her everything that happened and um, she's like, well, how do you feel? Like, do you feel any guilt? Are you excited? Like what, how are you feeling? And I had no guilt. I had no sense that I had done anything wrong because I didn't. Right. And that was a real turning point in how I viewed love. Not that I was in love with this guy, obviously, but my love for Jar, it changed how I viewed sex. It changed how I say this and it may sound like hyperbole, but I truly mean that that changed my life. And how I communicated and interacted with people going forward. That's awesome. And yeah, it was amazing. And I went home. And Jar had this, at the time when we first started, because it was still very new to us, we had a don't ask, don't tell policy mm -hmm. of like, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't tell it was very he he didn't want to know he's like i know that you did it but i'm not going to ask about it and so i didn't tell him he's like did you have a good time and i said yeah i had a great time he's like awesome super and i had seen this guy a few other times he eventually broke things off with me because i reminded him too much of his ex-wife and that was like made him uncomfortable so <laughs> so which was you know fine whatever um but Later, Jar had asked me, he's like, so did you have sex with him on the first date or the second date? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, and the reason I share this story, because uh, it's not terrible sex, but it is definitely outside the scope of most people's relationships or a lot of people's relationships. And it was a lot to grapple with. And I think people who are interested in polyamory, interested in monogamy, who are afraid of what could happen once you cross that line, because once you do it, you can't undo it. And that is a real fear. And I, and I understand that fear. And I think it's a normal fear to have if it's something that's brand new to you because it's uncharted territory, right? Totally. Um, so those, that, those are all normal feelings. Um, the most important thing is I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about, about becoming Polly. And he was so talking about, he's like, I just hope that, I hope that 
my partner can trust me. I just want my partner to trust me. And I'm like, you're getting this backwards. Yes, your partner should trust you to, you know, do things safely. But you also have to trust your partner, your monogamous partner. Because if they're telling you that it's okay and that they want this for you, you have to trust them at their word. You have to have a strong enough bond and relationship to trust that this monogamous person who you're with, or even if they're not monogamous, you have to trust that your partner is going to support you in these decisions and in these activities that you do. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, like the most important thing of the whole, the whole deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is super important. Now you said that, I don't know exactly how you said it, but you, you equated to there being a line. And once you cross that line, you can't uncross it or you can't undo it. Um, I think that's totally correct. But I also think, you know, you don't have to just jump into a date and fuck somebody. No, but that's just my right. That's that, not my. That was that was your that's story, and it's worked out. That's well, my story, and I'm I'm glad it did. But you could have gone out on a date, stayed at a public bar, held some hands, and then told your husband about it to see how he felt about it. You could have made exactly. out in a car, told him about it, see how he felt about it. There are things that you can progressively do if you're worried about not being able to undo something and communicating about feelings and seeing how they f- your, your your partner feels about that as you move that direction. That's probably the more healthy way to do things. <laughs> well, and sometimes you just got to, you know, get pushed out of the nest and see where you land. For sure, for sure, especially though because initially I was not looking for a relationship. I was the intention was finding a dom, having it be sexual in nature. And at that time, I didn't understand. Again, I was very new. I was only getting my information off of like FetLife and was still very uneducated Mm -hmm. at this time. And I had believed that I had the false belief that, oh, it's just kink. It's just play. There will be no feelings. And that's That's sometimes the case, but that's not. If a dom is there to like take care of you and you hold all of this trust with that person, there is some level of relationship. It may not be romantic, but they're in a in an ideal scenario. Yes, there's pickup play. Yes, you can go to dungeons and like find a partner, a play partner in the moment. But if it's going to be a long lasting thing, there has there's some level of trust, of relationship feelings of some variety that organically happen. And I didn't realize that at the time. So my search for kink and the sexual need had now transformed into a need for relationship. That was different than the relationship I had with my husband. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And you never could have known that without the progression that you went through. I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have. I think I think if I had done what you suggest, which is a great suggestion, um, is if it was something that was progressive, 
I think that would have been a harder transition for me because I would have felt so much more anxiety about having romantic feelings for someone who wasn't Jar versus just jumping in the saddle and making it about sex first. Okay. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And I, I think, you know, it takes analysis of yourself, of your own feelings, uh, communication with your partner, and then trying a thing and seeing how it feels and seeing, you know, communicating about how it feels for everyone. That makes perfect right. sense. And, it, and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, oh, well, then that was easy from then on out. No. Ev- I never, and I never had to communicate with Jar about anything ever again and everything was, you know, home free. I could do whatever I wanted <laughs> and vice versa. Like, absolutely not. Is that how um, any relationship works? No. And, you know, there, there is, there is this idea that, you know, your relationship with each partner is separate and that, you know, you owe the person that you're with their time, your time and your energy. And it's, private from any other relationship but the way that jar and i we have what some people would probably call a hierarchical relationship hierarchical polyamory which is kind of looked down upon in a in a lot of poly circles um, oh, some people like, that like open relationships don't like the way we organize our open relationship <laughs> because it's deemed as unfair to the other parties right and i can understand that like on an intellectual level i get it um, but it's what works for my really what for me and my relationship where I have what's quote a primary partner and people hate that people hate the term primary partner and I understand it I do I get it why people don't like it but you know we we some people would say well you have a nesting partner somebody you live with or you share finances with and that's fine he's my nesting partner but he's also the most important person in my life yeah, I have no problems with the term primary partner. I think that makes perfect yeah. sense to me. Sure. And I understand but I, and I understand why it wouldn't for some people. Um like people who are solo poly, like my friend, she has several partners but she doesn't like nest with any any single one of them. Sure. They're all separate um they're all uh, separate relationships and that's great. That works for a lot of great people. There's and I said this before in previous podcasts. There's no right or wrong way of doing it in my opinion um but there can be some judgment um for people who do choose to practice in the way that i do um well i'm judging the judgers and i'm not happy about it <laughs> it's okay i've i've accepted it I'm over i it. don't but... have to accept it <laughs> um yeah so that's sort of how we got here was through kink and BDSM. And there's a lot of crossover. I find that a lot of people who are non-monogamous are also interested in that aspect of things. Um, and vice versa. There's a lot of overlap um, and shared community. So, but there's a variety. You know, there's no one, there's no one way of doing any of it. That's my story. That's how I got here. I like that story. I think it was great. And I thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, listener. Hell yeah. 
So should we answer some questions? Yes, let's answer some questions. Let's do it. I do want to say really quickly, though, um, kind of going back to the story, is that feeling of lack of guilt when on my drive home was also an indicator to me that this is the right style. This is the right lifestyle for me. That makes sense. Yeah. Not in a, I'm an asshole, have no remorse kind of way, because I was always thinking about Jar's reaction and how mm-hmm. he was going to take all of this. But it wasn't about guilt. It was about making sure I was communicating. And yeah, so I'd say that that was definitely the the litmus test for me about whether or not this was going to work. And so far it has. Well, good. All right. Now I'm ready for questions. Hey, Nassim, how do I know what condom size and brand to get? I'm like five and a half inches and like four around. Honestly, sex ed was non-existent and my parents are Christian. What should I do? Christians still have sex. They just don't talk about it. Um, So we have covered this kind of briefly in a previous episode, but um, so five and a half inches is the average size. So that is good news because most condoms will fit you. Um, In terms of brand, though, you really, your best bet is just to try a few out and see what you like. Even if you don't have a partner, um, go to... Planned Parenthood, if you if you want to go on the cheap side, go to Planned Parenthood or a um, like health department, get some free samples of different varieties, try them on by yourself, maybe masturbate with the condom on, see how it feels. Yeah, a little, um, little self-party. Yeah, do you give yourself a, yeah, a self-party, that's a good way of putting it. And um, see what you like, try it with a partner if you have one, um, and see how they like it. If you both are into the same kind, that's the one you can stick with. Um, if you've got a little bit of extra cash, maybe go buy a few um, different varieties that they may not have at the health department um, and just just test them out. But in terms of size, it sounds like you're going to have no problem fitting your typical condom. Just don't go out and buy Jumbo like your King Kong. You got a a perfect size dick. Just buy a real good normal condom size. Manage your expectations. That's right. And turn this thing into an adventure with your partner if you've got one. Say, hey, I got five different kinds we should try today. And there's so many different types. There's ones that have, there's flavored condoms. There's condoms that glow in the dark. There's ribbed, of course. There's some that have like a hot and cold kind of situation going. There's a plethora of different varieties outside of your standard, you know, latex or sheepskin or whatever variety. Man, they even there's just so they much. even got glow so in the dark. Mm-hmm. Hey Nassim, what's the kink called for grabbing a face during sex? Usually done by an aggressive manner, and for the most part, a male doing it to a female. What's that called? Is there a particular kink title for that? If there is, I am drawing a blank. Um, Listeners, if you know the answer to this, please write in. Because my initial thought was primal. So so primal is a type of... I have a little bit of a primal kink, but primal kink is 
where you have this um, animalistic, almost uh, aggressive like need. So if you're the dominant, you're like the you're the um, primal dom. They you could call them a predator, but I don't like that term. <laughs> um, and then like the partner would be the prey. So sometimes they'll go so far as like the prey partner will be like released into like the woods or something. And then the, the primal Dom like goes and chases Ooh, them bit down. Of a man hunt. Like, kind of a manhand and hunts them down and like takes them down and they like, fuck in the woods, which I, you know, whatever, but that, but it can go anywhere. <laughs> you can have that extreme, but then you can also have just like. My favorite part of the, the image in my mind is the outfits that everybody has on for that chase in the woods. <laughs> Out, they're fucking naked. I don't not, know. not in my brain. <laughs> so, I mean, they're not always naked, but, or it could be something as uh, like growling is considered part of primal play. There's, I mean, it, there's a gamut. But in terms specifically we're, about like we're talking grabbing face grabbing face, here. Face grabbing, the kink of face grabbing. I might have to get back to you on this one because I don't know if there's an actual term for it. Um, I think I think we just made that term. I think it's face grabbing. Face grabbing. I think we should put up a Wikipedia page all about face grabbing. And then everybody will know it started, different, it started right here from our terrible list. Dif- different than face hugging. Way different. That's way different. Com- way different. Yeah. This is done so. in an aggressive manner. And it's like that. It's like that. I describe it as primal because it's that, that primal need to get close to your person. Just, it's like you got to have them. Just grab them in the face and go, ah. Yeah. That's yeah. face grabbing. That's what that is. That's face. <laughs> hey, Nassim. I'm having trouble putting it in my girlfriend outside of when she does cowgirl. Any advice? So you can only get it in during cowgirl. That's what I've gathered. That's what I've gathered. It's probably an anatomical thing. Like, there are certain positions that some people can't do based off of body type, uh, a person's height. Like, I can't do do doggy style. Like ninety nine percent of the time, I can't do doggy really? style because, yeah, because of like this, because I got a big ass and I like my body like doesn't, and I'm like kind of inflexible, so like I can't. It just doesn't work a lot of the time. I've tried it so many times, and like my partner's like my legs are too high up, or I just like my thighs are too long, or something. My thighs I just can't are get too long. No, because like when my <laughs> knees are on the. When my knees are on the bed and I'm bent over, <laughs> like they can't, like they're always like lower. Your they're like go lower, go lower, and I'm like I can't go any lower. Like I can't do it. Like it's doggy style and I are not friends, and it makes me really sad because I fucking want it so bad. <laughs> maybe um, maybe uh maybe you gotta get a little step stool for your partners. Ah, uh, maybe or I mean I I. I'm not going to say that I have never done it. It's happened. Like I've had threesomes with two guys and one guy laid on the ground and the other stood on top of him. (laughs) And then he had the right angle. (laughs) Like there were high fives because doggy style happened. All right. but, But it's, it's a challenge. It's not like an, it's not an easy thing. So 
going back to the question I had, it could be an anatomical issue. You may have to use like props or, and by that I mean like pillows or there are certain like, um, lifts or wedges or things that you can use to put a person's hip into a position that might, might be helpful. Um, test out, um, a, a good one is if she's on her back, putting like a small pillow underneath the, um, small of her back, kind of lifting her butt up a little bit. And then she can have an easier time lifting her legs like over your shoulders. You can try that. That's, um, that's always a good one. Um, yeah, I would just experiment with different positions using pillows. Um, and, but you know, if cowgirl is good for you and you know, you're both enjoying it and getting off, like there's no, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Listen, the, the, the only thing I want to clarify with this question is it seems like they're asking about this for their own gratification. I'm having trouble putting it in my girlfriend outside of when she does cowgirl. So does your girlfriend want you to put it in her in any other position outside of cowgirl? If that's, that's something, a good question. If that's something that she wants to work on, then by all means, work on it together. Don't force anything. Try some lubricant. Move around. See what you could do with bodies and pillows and blankets and ropes and chains if you need them. Are you fully erect? Even? Right. Make sure, make sure your penis is doing its job when you need it to do it. But if your girlfriend just wants to do cowgirl and she's happy with cowgirl, I say let her ride and enjoy it. If that's the only way she wants your penis in her. And who doesn't like to see some boobs jiggling, like hopping up and down while she's riding you? I mean, that sounds like a great time. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Next question, Dan. <laughs> hey, Nassim. So I'm a virgin and like, I really want to fuck. And I'm talking to a girl in which I only and probably will always also like as a friend. And I was wondering, how should I bring up the subject? that I'd want to be friends with benefits with her since like she's a good friend, but I also really want to fuck, you know? I do know. <laughs> I do know. So it's, 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 it's tough because you can definitely cross the line with a person who's not interested in you in that way. And there's always the danger of, changing your relationship somehow and this person may see you dif differently and you know you don't want to change your relationship not to say that sex wouldn't change your relationship in some capacity but it doesn't have to but some but a lot of times it does um so i think one way you can broach the subject is say well, let me back up a little back bit. Back it up. Do you just want to fuck or do you want to fuck her? And are you only choosing her because she's your friend and is like the, I don't know, easiest like target <laughs> for lack of better expression? Like, I, 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 I'm curious there. Like, you just want to have sex to have sex. Um, so is this like a utility situation? You 
only want to be friends with her, but you want to have sex with her. I mean, there's some complicated things that can happen in this scenario. Sure are. Um, with feelings. And remember, she's a person, not an object. What? I know. <laughs> I never, it or never not. even thought of that. People are people. <laughs> um, so examine that. But if you have come to terms with all of that shit and you're like, no, you want to have sex with her and but keep it friendly, friends with benefits, which is fine. Um, you can ask her, have you ever thought about sex with benefits? Or friend, sex with benefits. The benefit of being my friend. Um, have you ever thought about being a friend with benefit with somebody? Um, you could just start flirting and see what happens. You could um, just be fucking honest, which is probably my go-to. Would we'll just be like, "Hey, listen, we're really good friends. I don't want to change that, but I'm also sexually attracted to you." And or, "Hey, you want to just get this out of the way?" <laughs> And we could be each other's first. I'm assuming she's also a virgin. We could be each other's first. It'd be a great story. We'd be, we stay great friends. Let's try it. There's a lot of ways you can broach the subject. Uh, but again, I would just make sure that you want to do this for the right reasons. And that no one's going to get hurt. Man, I think that's good advice. And sometimes people still get hurt. Sometimes relationships get screwed up. When you're trying to go from friends to friends with benefits. And that's part of the, part of the way the, the world works. And I think a lot of that has to do with expectation. I think people like one person has one expectation of what's going to happen. And then another person has another expectation or, you know, they have sex and then they're, they're what they thought they wanted changes. Yeah. So, I mean, I have experience with that for <laughs> sure. Whew. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you just need to answer some questions for yourself first and then just ask the question. Be honest about it. Beauty. You have time for one more? Oh, we got time for one more. Hey, Nassim, do you think a vibrating dildo would make regular sex less enjoyable for me? I don't get off on just sex. I usually need clitoral stimulation. Do you think buying myself a vibrating dildo will make it so I never can get off with a regular sex if I end up loving it? I'm I'm shaking my head like profusely. You sure are. Um, the seam seems to disagree uh, with buy the fucking dildo. <laughs> buy 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 the vibrator. <laughs> buy the vibrator. So here's the thing. Here's something that no one fucking tells you. Okay. Only twenty percent of vagina havers can get off via vaginal intercourse alone vaginal stimulation alone. i feel like you need to time travel back 45 minutes and now nasim needs to tell that to 45 minutes ago nasim <laughs> like i said things i know in my head <laughs> things i know in like 20 percent of vagina havers can get off by vaginal stimulation alone the vast majority of our pleasure comes from clitoral stimulation it is our sex organ. The vagina is not. It's just a fucking canal. So our sex organ is the clitoris. That's where the nerve endings are. So, of course, you're 
going to need stimulation there. And a vibrator is going to get you there more often and more consistently than any kind of vaginal penetration is. Now, if you're like me, because I am not in that 20% who (laughs) gets off by vaginal stimulation, a little bit of both helps. Um, So is it going to like ruin you for a future partner? Fuck Fuck no. no. Especially if you use that vibrator with your partner. Then (sighs) I can't even respond. Like there's like, it's the best. Um, Yeah. It's not going to ruin. There's like all these myths. And I think a lot of it, man, I'm going to get angry. There's a lot of these myths and this like idea that has been perpetuated by like men that, um, you know, a vibrator or a dildo is going to like ruin women for, it's going to like stretch you out or it's going to like desensitize you to the male touch. Man, I don't know Fucking what bullshit. men would ever think that that a straight dude that anybody would ever perpetuate that myth. It's the best to be in the presence of a beautiful woman who is orgasming and being a part of that process. What a wonderful place to be. And who gives a shit what tools you're using to get there? Yeah. And I think that, and maybe that was part of my problem earlier today is because all of that, you know, history of bullshit that has been handed down to us by generations and the media and um, stigma that, oh, well, if my man can't get me off If I can't get off with just my man, there's something wrong with me? Like, what kind of bananas argument is that? It's bananas. It's, it's... I'm framing walls in my basement right now. (laughs) I'm using a nail gun instead of a hammer. (laughs) It doesn't mean I didn't build that wall. That's a great... Oh my god, Dan, that's amazing. Did you just come up with that right now? Yeah. Brilliant brilliant yeah it's <laughs> fuck i don't need this podcast this podcast is yours that was amazing like i i think that that's a great i just want to talk about home improvement <laughs> that's a great analogy you know um buy the fucking vibrator just buy it do it also get a nail gun <laughs> don't use it the same way but get <laughs> get a vibrator enjoy yourself learn about your body um and it's not going to desensitize you it's not going to ruin sex with you know a real life human being in the future if anything it's going to teach you what you like what you want what you deserve and help you communicate that to a future partner and you can use it with them by yourself it doesn't matter Get off. Buy the vibrator, get off, and enjoy your life. Here, here. I don't think that we can finish any stronger than that, Nassim. I don't think so. I'm worked up. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Woo, well, we'll call it a week. Let's do it next time. Let's. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Nassim.
Nassim wants all her terrible listeners to know that although she is a medical professional, she is not your medical professional. This podcast is not medical advice. If you want medical advice, please seek out your very own healthcare provider. Terrible Sex with Nassim is part of the Terrible Podcast Network.